live. It says live. So, <laughs> my name is Judith Owen. I'm thrilled to be on Game Changers here with Vicky Abelson. It's just something I've been wanting to do for the longest time. And here we are in ISO. This is the only way we could do it, correct? Yeah, yeah. This is it. And it worked. You know, Judith, I was crying because we were literally two weeks away from you finally being in the living room. With I know. You, got me. you got me. You got me. So, I want to kick off with something a bit fun. Um, you know, I've been talking on my Facebook lives about how couples are struggling. Some are finding it great. Some are not finding it great. There's so many funny tweets like, you know, the woman that said she's only just noticed how horrendous her husband's toenails are. <laughs> a man that mentioned how he couldn't believe how loud his wife's breathing was. I mean, I'm just living off this. I love it so much. And the thing is, uh, when I wrote this, this this is a song that was released like a, a couple of months ago and will be in the videos coming out one of these days when we actually get to make a video again. But um, it's about a documentary I saw in Britain when I was, uh, I was off the road and I was back in London and I couldn't sleep, I had jet lag and I was watching this documentary about sex bots. And, um, and okay, I- Wait, 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 explain, explain please sex bot. Uh, it's a robot. It's a se it's forget sex toy. That is so yesterday. <laughs> sex bot is so natro. And what it means is that for just like a shitload of money, you get a woman who feels right, who says things like, you are everything. <laughs> and who basically has got whatever size hajungas you want and everything else. And it feels all good. But you can't be rough with them. Because if you're rough with them, they break. So basically, you have to wine and dine them and, and cherish. It's worse than having an actual woman. Anyway, you pay a fortune for it. But one thing you get to do is basically she just loves everything about you because she's programmed to and all that. Right. Anyway, so it says, yes, but they're so expensive. What about the person who doesn't have 250000 or whatever the heck it is? Right. And it cuts to this guy who says, what, fill his name here. And he says, blah, blah, from wherever in Florida went on Craigslist to find a second-hand sex bot. To like, I'm in, I'm all in. This is the greatest story I've ever heard in my entire life. And it turns out, I mean, all I could think was mileage, mileage, disinfectant, mileage. We have to talk about, think about it. You, know? you are speaking to the COVID crazy, so we'll yeah, get to I that know, after. pre-COVID, you see how things have changed. How I and I was like, this is so amazing. And he talks about yes, but you can take all the parts out. They can be clean. They can be disinfected. It's amazing. So I'm thinking, you know what? Don't be so judgmental. He's a lonely man. This is what he needs. It goes on. You see him taking her to the park, staging her, posing her as if she's his girlfriend, grooming her, and then you see him in the kitchen. And the camera uh, does a big wide pan and in the back of the room. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, whatever. Don't be so judgmental. In the back of the room, I see a woman. I see an embittered looking woman hunched over the kitchen table. It's his wife, of course it is. And she says that basically they ask her how does she feel about sharing her husband with whatever, fill the name here. And uh, she says, uh, as long as he doesn't run off with a, leave, uh, with a living, breathing woman, I'm fine. And at that point- By the I way, my, my, girls, my regular girls from the COVID crazy say that you're welcome to the club. You can join us in the club. Yes. And I believe that this is now a metaphor for the loneliness that people feel in relationships. I know he took it to another level, but he's in a long-term relationship. They probably haven't had sex since, you know, the, the, the wedding night. The truth oh. is people are lonely in relationships. So many are. And I think that's one of the things that people are realizing now is either 
it's made you closer with people having to be in these in their homes together and having to spend actual time together or it's just it's it shone the light on just how lonely you are you know it's like you can be lonely and single but hell when you're lonely in a relationship and we we all know this by the way i mean who hasn't felt that i have we've had we, we, we i've been in my marriage I, I've had this discussion with many women because in my marriage, it was that way. When I was in my marriage for the last few years, I felt like, get me anywhere else. Let me be alone, right? But now that I'm alone all the time, I have to tell you, it's a rough gig. It's it a rough, a rough gig. gig. And, I, and I think, and that, you know, and, um, that's why, you know, I, I was like finding this so entertaining, this documentary about this guy. Now I find it less so. I find it much more about that thing about human needs and loneliness and so it's sort of um you know it well here's the story here's the story in song okay. here it is oh, I, I, i'm so excited secondhand sex bot here we go oh, i need to Faithful, watch 
I love that, Judith. I love that. As I do all your music, I'm such a fan. So, so okay. So before we get into like the juice of Judith, ooh, yeah. I really like that. For the for the benefit of everybody watching, I've got a bunch of COVID crazies, and we talk every day about new ways to disinfect, how we're handling this whole thing. So tell me how how are you as far as the masks, the gloves, the disinfecting, the social distancing, the going outside. What is your, what is your routine like? Um, well, my husband and I are basically, you know, we have been self-distancing, isolating. I came back, one of the last people back from Australia because I was touring there um, in March. And I came back and we've been like this ever since. And we clean and we wipe and I disinfect and I clean and I wipe and I disinfect and boxes are disinfected and everything is disinfected and I mask up and I wear gloves and I lose my shit with people. If I go into Whole Foods one more fecking time and some privileged, entitled person puts their arm across my face like that. What? Spinach, I shit you not. What? No, no. You have to understand. I'm, you know, here's what's, I said this today. Here's what's ironic. I'm allowed to swear, aren't I? Because I can't stop. I'm a bit you of a swear. I, I, I fucking swear all the time. Go ahead. Okay. So there's a, there's a crazy homeless man. I say, and I know crazy. I am, you know, I have mental illness myself. There's a man out there. Who does? Who under a tree who calls me you fucking white bitch. Every time I walk up. But that's, and he doesn't mean it in a bad way. Don't get me wrong. He just, it's, and I give him, and we say hi, and I give him some food. He's wearing a mask. Wow. Now, he's wearing a fucking mask, okay? And out there, it looks like Woodstock loving. I want to go and smack these people around the head. They've already taken the masks off. They're like in some kind of weird drum circle. With, thank God without the drums. They're all like having a, 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 a total peace protests because they're down on the man whatever it's as if as if it's over and done i am so angry at these people the bloody lift you know those horrible little um those shitty little um, scooters that i just want to back over every time i see one those things are petri dishes for covid 19 the handlebars is like a petri dish for covid 19 i'm a rant i'm a rant off they're back out that's good news for everyone and and seemingly young, wonderful things, because it feels like summer, doesn't it, right now? Um, they, they really just think it's, and not just young, a guy yesterday, a man, a it looked like a tourist, but there are no tourists when I say, a man yeah. 
right. two women in masks. He yeah. didn't have one. Squatted down next to my dog as I was throwing my dog her ball and pretended to be my dog so that he could catch the ball in his mouth. Don't ask. And he was unmasked. I don't like him being that close to my dog, A. B, he was only a couple of feet away from me. And I just went postal. I, I, I so, okay, so, so what, is that, what does that look like, Judith? So if somebody invades your space, what do you actually say to them? Well, this and is the problem. Have you got into a thing with anybody? Well, yeah. I mean, this is, this is difficult because people say, you know, people are always saying, oh, can I pet your dog? And I was like, no. No, you can't, you see. You can't come up to me and up to my dog and pet. No, you can't. And they're like, oh, oh, she's so lovely. Uh, and I say, yes. Like you're just being mean. Yeah. Yeah. She's lovely. She's alive. I'm alive right now. I'm really lovely. So just, it's just like, what the, and, and it's amazing, amazing lack of, uh, of, of intelligence. And, I, and I'm really struggling with this because we've got, a, we're getting, we're tiptoeing back into opening so be smart, people. This is something that if we if we don't get it right, the Germans haven't got it right. The Germans, the most disciplined people on the world on the planet, they haven't got it right. They're going to have to start restricting again. They try to, you know, because people being people being people just go fucking right back, and they're like, masks off. I'm only a foot away from you now. What does it matter? It's all over, isn't it? And that tends to be what happens. So I am it actually- It sounds like you're out in the world quite, but I mean, you have a dog, so you walk your dog. Well, I, mean, I have a dog, so I take the dog to the park every, you know, four times a day. I get to see how people are behaving in the park. And it's not good. And are, are you, like, we're, we're already, the COVID crazies are already, we're anxious for you because you go to Whole Foods. Like, I'm too nervous to go into a store. I have everything delivered. Are you not nervous when you walk into a store, a grocery store? Uh, no. Really? You saw the speed at which I run through it. Um, I, it, I look like I'm on some kind of army circuit training. I'm running. I'm masked, visor, gloved. Oh, you have a visor. I want a visor. Got, I built one. I built one from a bottle. You know, I've got like a, a, well, it's coming. What can I say? I've got one. I will have one. But I literally have a few layers on if I can, you know, mask thing over it, everything I can. I run between. I, I, I go bonkers at people who just think, you know, literally you see people pushing in front of you, pushing next to you, squeezing to get that coffee because who knows if it'll be there in two seconds. It's just, um, it's gobsmacking, gobsmacking how bad, how, how bad people are here. And I know, you know, I mean, we're hearing about people, let's be honest, who are, this wasn't a security guard shot for asking somebody to put a mask on. Absolutely, and now yes. somebody else was spat on. I mean, come on. Wait. Okay, so what's the solution, Jude? So what do you see? Like, I just heard yesterday that we're looking at potentially three years before we come back to normal, which is unfathomable to me. I believe in miracles. But what, what do you see as the way? Like, I don't think we can live normally till we have a vaccine. What? No, and I, and I think, you know, maybe what? If we get a if we got a vaccine next year, fantastic. I think what it's going to be. I mean, I think, I think every time that we have to shut lockdown, you know, every time we have to go into that, it's going to be harder every time. That's what people be so silly. It's like it will be harder to go back to that if you've had a taste of some freedom. The thing mm -hmm. to do, you know, is to really keep up the self, keep up the distancing. This is the trick. This is what it's about. Keep up the wiping and the washing and the self distancing, and that is the answer. 
But if you know, it's very hard when you have uh, people who are screaming about their rights and their freedom. And I don't think they'll be screaming if they get it, mind you. Um, or if somebody. Do you know if any of those people get that? That's what I'm wondering. All these people out there protesting, shoulder to shoulder, drinking from each other's beers. Are they getting it? How are they not getting it? Oh, they'll be getting it. I'm handing children sweets. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, of course. It's like people in the mega churches and stuff like that. Of course, if they could see how many people had it afterwards. It's um, you know, crowds. It's it's it's. This is this is the thing. We're going to have to change our ways. And if we did it in an intelligent manner and in a careful, really careful, in you know, smart way, I believe that is the answer. That, but again. That means you're reliant on people being smart and intelligent and knowing that you can't just, it's not going to go back to like, bang, here we are, normal, here it goes. No, no it can't. Yeah. It can't. Yeah. And But like Cuomo said, you know, what? what is your, what, what is, is there a greater liberty than life? Can we just, can we just go to that place immediately? It's like, isn't, aren't we fighting for the thing that we, that we cherish the most, which is our lives? Isn't that it? Isn't that what this is about? Uh, Yes, it it is what it's about. And everybody on my thread is now stopped at the fact that you can build your own visor. So before we go further, how do you build a visor? Cindy, please tell us. I'm going to send you the link. It's for... um, it's for uh, it's with a, a big old you know I don't drink sodas and shit but it's with a big old bottle it could be water it could be coke or anything like that you can build your own visor just go online and look up build your own visor giant bottle or like plastic coke bottle it's there you can do it it's flipping marvelous you see all these people in Japan and China they're wearing bloody bottles they've got I mean no you can actually do you just need Velcro you need to cut half of the bottle and round it goes perfectly to your face. This is, it's incredible. This is worth it. You being on, you've just made your, your, your whole visit worthy because now we know how to, Cindy, we know how to build a visor. I'm so online, baby. And, and, oh no, I've got all sorts of tips, darling. I have many a tip. Believe me. Okay. They'll be coming out in the course of this, but in the meantime, we want to get to know Judith. Thank, thank you for, for talking about all of that because it's it's pressing on the mind. It's yeah. just impossible to not go there and to not think of it. You and I had a very brief chat before, uh, earlier today and you were saying how every single thing that you've been writing and singing and doing seems to be reflective of this. And Like you were almost preparing for it? Well, so- it's not that. It's just that I've had... <sighs> I'm, I'm amazed by how many of my songs are relevant and actually are make sense in, in what we're currently going through. And the reason for that is because the reason I started to do music was because it was a way of expressing myself and of self-medicating. <laughs> Truly, it was a way that I kept sane um, because I've always struggled with mental illness, because I've always struggled with depression and an acute anxiety disorder. So the thing that everybody is feeling right now is how I felt most of my life, in fact, since I was a small child. So it's not, it, it to me, it's almost like this is my wheelhouse. Now, I've spent my entire life uh, trying to be healthy so I wouldn't be that, so I could, you know, have the tools to be able to be that person, but to manage it. And that's what my whole life's work has been about. That's what the music is about. It's about how important this thing is uh, in affecting me and you and everybody in this plant on this planet when it comes to actually giving the salve 
to your soul. And, and it does do that. And, and it does do that um, scientifically as much as anything else. You can trace how people's brains uh, change uh, and how they produce uh, feel-good, you know, chemicals like serotonin You can and dopamines. You can see how it works when people sing or listen to music. They can actually mm -hmm. scan that and see it. Mm -hmm. It's a real thing. It's why so many, I think, uh, very flawed, damaged people like me and depressives go, in, <laughs> go into music because it is, you know, it's the best film. Okay, you're, you're totally fooling me, though, because I do not see you as a depressed, clearly. I do not see you as a depressive at all. No, so, so, well, here's the thing I know um, I can tell you is that who, who, who you see is who I am. This okay. is who I came in as. Yeah. Um, I had a remarkable uh, upbringing. My father was an opera singer at Royal Opera House Covent Garden. This is so perfect. You're asking the question. You're answering the questions before I ask them. Exactly. I, I want to know this. Well, Okay, so tell me. So you grew yeah. up in in Wales, yeah? No, I grew, we left Wales and went to London. And my dad joined the opera house, the opera company, as a tenor, amazing singer. And he was there for thirty five years. So my weekends were always spent at the opera house. I saw, I was always there. I was always backstage. That music, the classical music. Oh God, I love it. But he was a really unusual classical musician because he also was a huge jazz fan. In fact, he loved all great. He loved all music. He loved everything. Mm -hmm. But he's very eclectic taste. So I heard it all. But being in that environment in the opera was really had a huge effect upon me, and mm -hmm. and uh, and and it fed that theatricality in me. And I think that's the point. That that really is who I am. But on the other side, when, when, when did you start? Uh, when did you start playing music yourself? When I was about four, my sister was at the piano playing Debussy, and mm -hmm. I got up and copied it perfectly. And my parents thought, "Oh, she's going to be a concert pianist. Here we go." And of course, it turns out that I actually have um, musical dyslexia, as I do uh, word dyslexia and, and notes put me, it, it, it feeds my anxiety and it puts me into a state of panic and I start to cry, sad. And um, so I would look at a line, I would look at, um, at, at, at the sheet music and uh -huh. I could, for the life of me, I, it, I could not see a thing, but if I heard it, I could play it immediately, that was it. So that's- Wow. That's, so what that meant was I was left to my own devices. So I, as a kid, I was just at the piano and I was playing music and I was playing music and I was playing these things that made me happy and it was very classical and it moved me because my, my mother had a, a clinical depression and anxiety and she was severely ill, as I realized in hindsight, as you do, you get, you, mm -hmm. what you know is, seems normal. Right. Until you see other people and you go to school and, and you see other lives. And, um, and she, was a, she was a fabulously intelligent, bright, brilliant, wonderful, dancing, gorgeous woman um, with this terrible, terrible disease that at the time nobody understood. British, you know, British doctors were just like, oh, pull yourself together. Everybody goes mm. through this. Come on now, you know. Pull. Mm. And... Um, and so, um, and, and, and Pedro's she, with us, by the way. Is what? Pedro's with us. Oh, Pedro, hello, darling. Uh, I can't see who's coming on. This is so great. So, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to pay attention. I'm, I'm trying to listen. Oh, no, 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 you're watching, yes. Yeah, so, I just have to tell you that Cindy has dubbed you our queen. No, so, <laughs> so the, the music calmed me because there was such a feeling of fear and a sense of foreboding that something terrible would happen. And it did happen and she did mm -hmm. take her own life. And she oh, so was sorry. the absolute trigger for 
the beginning and the ending of, in a way, our, all our lives, the three of us, mm. because it was what made me this musician. It's what made me need, not just want to, need to be a musician. Otherwise, I would have, I would not be here now. How, how did you start expressing yourself through music? When did that happen? Oh, that was right from the get-go because there was this, there was this music that was, I, I saw my, my father's face when he sang and it, his face lit up, it lit up. It was, it was everything I wanted, but there was this terrible, like I said, there was a sadness, it's forever. And so when I got to the piano at four, at six, mm -hmm. and I played the piano, literally, I felt calm. I felt comfort and calm and this beautiful, exquisite piece of wood and these strings, this began the true love affair of my life. Wow. This is my best friend. Mm -hmm. And it is an extension of me. I don't even think we're separate anymore. I don't think so. I think it's just a thing that goes immediately from here. But the difference is I used to be a very depressed person who learned to have this this sparkly front so you wouldn't see how ill I was inside and when, when, what, what and when did that transform what what was the well I managed to fool my husband into thinking that I wasn't depressed <laughs> by telling him I wasn't and he believed me thank you thank you you know men they you just say to a man I don't have a shopping problem I don't have I don't I'm not an addict and they're like and they'll say oh okay but um, a, a man says to a woman, you know, I like, to, yeah, I like to gamble a bit. And they're like, <laughs> so it, there's a difference. There's a difference. Yeah. And bless his heart. He said to me, yeah, my last girlfriend was terribly depressed. And I, this is the first day we met. And he was actually in the full Derek Smalls because it's Harry Shearer of Spinal Tap. For those of you who don't know. Hair on and everything. And, and he said, yeah, my last girl, girlfriend was very depressed. And I actually said, nose was just doing like that Pinocchio. And I said, oh, that's not anything that I've ever had a, had a problem with myself. You know, no, it's just throughout my whole family. People have died over the, everybody. And I just was like, fuck. So he took it, hook, line and sinker. I got to him and I was in love. I fell, you know, I, I knew he was it. He was it. He was the one. I knew that. Because the two things that are most important to me and got me through life are music and comedy. And so, of course, Harry was it. Harry was it. And so when I came to America... Well, I have to stop you for one second. Yeah. My son's name is Harry, and I was on Saturday Night Live in the year that Harry was No! There. Yes, with Billy Crystal. I was in the Buddy Young Jr. sketch. But anyway, I had to just tell you that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we have stuff. Anyway, go ahead. Incredible. So, yeah, so I came to, you know, the, Jeff, the, the change came when I came to America, and I actually sought professional help because I couldn't in Britain because there's too many ghosts. And it's still too behind when it comes to mental illness. It is. It's getting better, but it's still behind. And is it I need, really? Yes. And I need, oh, yeah. And I need. Oh, no, wait, wait. You were on medication when you were young? Did they put you on medication when no, you were no, young? No, I never went to see anybody. I never spoke to, no, none of us. No, none no. of us. Ever, ever. Not even a therapist? No, no. No. Wow. No, we were literally, my dad was back at work two weeks after my, my mom died. I was at school. My sister was at university. We went straight back. Nobody ever spoke about it. Oh, That's my how you deal with it. And, um, and so, of course, it comes out in PTSD in, in a terrible way. It comes out in terrible ways. And I came, so I came here and I got help. And it's just, it's part of the process. Wait, 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 stop, stop. How did yeah. you know to go, if, if going for help was something that was so foreign to you, how did you make that transition when you came here? Because I knew... 
I knew, because uh, I'm a smart person, mm -hmm. that it was far enough away from my ghosts mm -hmm. that I felt like, you know, I, it, there's that thing in America, as we all know, about having a second chance and being reborn. It was enough distance between me and it. And mm -hmm. I also knew that if I was going to get a, 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 a therapist, a psychiatrist, anywhere in the world, it would be a good idea to get one in LA where they know what they're doing. <laughs> and so by chance, I was at a dinner party and I was sitting next to a child psychiatrist and he was wonderful. And I actually said, well, you know, I think I might have said, I've got this friend. And I, uh, <laughs> I spent the first year with my first psychiatrist lying to him about who I was because I wanted him to like me and love me. And then finally, when I showed who I really was, he was like, he was crestfallen because he couldn't believe that I had, I had fooled him. So this is how good the master, this is how good the armor was. But wow. over the years, of course, it's not me acting anymore. It's not me playing anymore. This is who I am. This is me. And now I'm not, you know, I, I used to be so exhausted keeping up this front and then just like collapsing. When and so still no medication? Oh, I'll be on medication my whole life. Oh, okay. So, th so that helps. So do you get, it, you must, do you ever get to a dark place? You know yeah, hang on. You, so the medication helps. I was going to say that and the heroin. <laughs> that was a joke. And I didn't want anybody to I was thinking, shall I say it? I love it. It's so cheap. I am 18 years sober, but I've been there, done that. <laughs> Not heroin. But I can't anything do else. anything. I've never been able to do anything. My whole life has been spent trying to find sanity as opposed to losing my mind. That's the difference, okay? That's the difference. Okay, so, so do, what, are, what are your tools? Let's say you start to go to a dark place. Let's yeah. say you start to get depressed. You start to get fearful. What kind? What, what are your? It starts with the anxiety because it's an it's an anxiety driven depression. Okay. And when I go there, I usually have to figure out: Have I been taking my meds properly? Is mm -hmm. there something I'm doing? Like I don't drink, but sometimes I'll have a little. Uh, I'll, I'll, it's pathetic. I I I'm a, I have an allergic reaction to anything with bloody sugar in it. So I'll put a little bit in sparkling water, and even that can undermine my meds. Mm. Um, something will have happened. I have to, I have the tools now to say, what is it? I know it's, I have the tools to say, it's not me. It's the chemistry. Nice. What is it that has changed my chemical balance? Is it that I forgot to take my pill one night? Is it that I've been drink, you know, had a drink? Is it that something is really, really upsetting me more than I realize? Mm -hmm. And this is doing so. And that really is something that if you'd spoken to me even five years ago, I, could, I couldn't have done. Couldn't have done it. Wow. So this is very new behavior. Yeah, it's in the last five years. I mean, I, uh, Pedro will say it's, it's down to him, really, working with him that made me a healthy woman. Uh, but I, yeah, I would say that um, this has been a life's work, you know, because it, it's, uh, the damage was... Did know, something spark this five-year-ago transition other than Pedro? Um, you know what? I think um, no. I, I would say it started after my after my dad died, probably, which was I can't believe it, but it's it's seven years seven years ago now. It's coming up to eight years, and I think that um, you know how um, some well often when you when you actually actually realise that you are an adult, that you are the adult now that you are the adult and you have to be your own parent. 
And um, it, okay, wait, I have to stick this in there. So my father was a singer. He was a jazz singer. That's what he did. And my wow. father died 11 years ago. So you're freaking me out all over the place yeah, here. Yeah, it's a weird one mm -hmm. where, you know, I every day I wish he was here. I miss him every day of my fucking life. And I wish he was here. But a part of me knows that the, the, the strength that I then acquired being truly being a grown-up as opposed to being a damaged child and continuing that was really remarkable. And that Where were you in the pecking order? Do you have siblings? Mm -hmm. I have a sister. And older? older sister, yeah. Yeah, and she's just, uh, she's remarkable. She lives in Southern Ireland. And um, and we've been each other, you know, be each other's um, cheerleaders forever since we were children because that's what we saw together, you know, and we... we um, Listening, our dad was, uh, you know, he really was my my idol and and my role model. Musically, he was everything to me. So that was the hardest thing. And I spent most of my life, you know, worrying about about that. So, uh, but, the, but the truth is that- How long ago did, you, did your mother pass, Judith? Oh God. <laughs> so long, it's frightening. Uh, oh. My mom, let me see. And I just, she's, uh, yeah, over 35 years ago. It's unbelievable. Oh, oh no, I was a kid. I was a kid. Wow. And oh. um, yeah, long over that, yeah. So your, fa your father was the parent. He did, did, did you and your sister, when your mother would have her, her stuff, did you comfort each other? Was there? Yes. And um. Yeah, my sister was was like my caretaker, mm. and and um, no, I, you know, it, it's it's something that when when a lot, I think a lot of people understand this when you talk to people and they've had a sense of fear or danger in their house, mm -hmm. a sense of foreboding, or you've been the parent to your parent. Yeah, I think a lot of people understand that, mm -hmm. and um, and they understand the damage that it does, and and, and that feeling that you get. Um, uh, from it where I don't know I, I was, I, I, I've, I've always said and I think Harry's the same in this way I always felt like um, like I, I was working my way backwards I, I started out as a very very grown up person very serious and very mm -hmm. I had to be a grown up and I had mm -hmm. to grow up fast mm -hmm. um, to look after my mom and to, to always be like waiting and wary and I just got I have got like younger and and more ridiculous and sophomoric as I've as I've got older and and I hope that and I just and I love that you know I've actually become uh, a freer even in my music and my performance and everything I've become actually a much more relaxed person because you know with the waning or should I say with the, my winning over this disease mm -hmm. or being able to manage it mm -hmm. I've been able to you know be be a much a uh, much more relaxed person. And I am not a relaxed person. I am not OCD like you can't be. Did you, did you ever, uh, did you try substances? I mean, I did. Did you try substances to solve your problems at any no, time? Never. No, no, never. No, drink or drugs, no, nothing. No, wow. Never. No, because I was new. I mean, I've never been able to drink because I get shit-faced in two sips because I'm allergic to alcohol. And I always knew that if I took drugs, I would be dead because I knew, I knew what it would do to me. I, already, I, I mean, I'm a very, that's what I mean. I'm a smart, I'm, I have good instincts. It's like, you know, when I came to America, I knew 
I knew what my job was. I knew I had to take care of this. Otherwise it would, you know, when you've seen a person disappear in front of your eyes, when you've seen a person become unrecognizable, oh, yeah, yeah. then it is the, the greatest lesson in what to do because that is your future. Because I had exactly the same illness. And mm. I felt, of course, that I almost deserved that because, you know, because I didn't save her. That's the thing about suicide. Everybody that's left feels the guilt because they didn't save them. They should have saved them. They must have been so bad for them to leave. How could they have been so, you know, there's so many things. Nobody comes away from suicide without being truly scarred for life. And there's many, many things we all have, by the way, one thing I would say about all of this, I have never thought of myself, Vicky, as being a victim or, or yeah. ever having had some like, oh, oh, I'm so sad, my, my poor life. No, not at all. I feel yeah. like I've had an unbelievable life. I had great parents. I had sadness. I had tragedy. I had all that have shit. You forgive, have you forgiven your mother? Of course. Of course. Of course. You accept I had, oh my God, I never blame my mother because mm -hmm. all she needed was what I got, therapy and the right mm -hmm. medication. Mm -hmm. And she would have been fine. Wow. And that's the crime. And that's why I'm very vocal about this. Mm -hmm. Very vocal to women and men, but particularly to women because we know, you know, how every month our chemistry changes. Mm -hmm. And many of us feel like, you know, we're absolutely teetering on the brink of insanity. But it, it's just, you know, nothing is, nothing, nothing can be a better, and that's not the right word, but a better lesson, a bigger lesson than to see that. You know, that really, really, I mean, I did a, I did a show with a, with a woman that we took to the West End in London about, called Losing It, about mental illness, about both our experiences of it and how she, my, my co-writer was like, hers was get, getting through it as a, uh, as a, co a comedian, mine was getting through it with music. Uh -huh. but, um, but it was important because in the intervals, there would be these, there would be gatherings of nurses and doctors and psychiatrists and, uh, and neuroscientists and everything talking about all these things together. And, and, mm -hmm. and it was, um, you know, and that was back in 2009, 10, because it's still, it's lessening all the time. Mental illness is people are talking about it. People embrace it. People almost, you know, they, they want to talk about it now. Thank God. I love that you have no shame about it because I think that's the thing that does the most damage is shame. And that's what I, that's the first thing I realized when I came here after years of lying to my psychiatrist, of course, is that the shame, the shame, the carrying the secret, the carrying that secret and the shame that if someone sees who you really are, oh my God, the shame of it is, is everything. And the minute you say it and you voice it and someone else says, oh no, I have that too. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I feel like mm -hmm. that sometimes. That's it. That's healing. Did you and your father ever get to have that, those real conversations about this? No. Ah. Uh. Never. What we, what we, it was too painful, I think, for him because, of course, he built, he bore the brunt of feeling responsible. Mm. What we expressed between each other, and it, you know, and it broke his heart, of course, it, but for, again, thank God he was at the opera house. Thank God he was singing every single day of his life. Thank God that was there in his life because that was what, that was what 
kept him alive and healed his heart, you know? Right. But ultimately the conversations he and I had were always about, were always wrapped in music, where we bonded, where we had something so special and unique mm -hmm. in this passion, the passion that both of us, you know, that his real wife, his real love, as mm -hmm. it is mine, is music. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. it, really, mm -hmm. you know? So, all right, speaking of music, let's play something for us. Well, well I'm going to play something that's right along this topic because I think oh, it's excellent. necessary to do this. And um, my lovely friend, Jamie Cullum, fabulous jazz musician from Britain, he, uh, he had me on his um, jazz festival a few years ago with Pedro and Leland and Gabriella Swallow on cello. And, um, and he's playing this song this Saturday because they're doing a virtual Cheltenham Jazz Festival. Fantastic. Uh, and so, and this is what I'm talking about, the tools, the tools. Um, when you're in a dark place, when this is in a dark room, it's like a dark room. And mm -hmm. what I tell people and what I've told people before, what I was told is hold, if you hold on, if you hold tight and you realize, you, you realize that what's happening to you chemically and it, it, you might, you know, if you hold tight, you will see the light again because it is like being in a in a, in a black room. And I, I I equate it to seeing the, the glimmer of light that you see underneath a door, underneath the bottom of a door where you know there's life on the other side. And that's the thing that leads you back. That's the thing that we all grasp onto. So in these times when people are feeling really depressed and worried and lonely and frightened, and mm. anxious it's like just just hold you have to bring it down and hold on and remember that right up just there is life that that's you just you know it I know it's morning, but in it's the like, moment when it's totally dark though you yeah. know when it's totally dark it's hard to remember that it's ever going to be anything but that's what right. gets you from that darkness to that that remembrance that there's light under the door. How do, how do you get, how do you connect those two points when you're in I it? Think one of the things, the, the most important thing mm -hmm. is, and I've been it, believe me, more times than I care to mention. It used to be all of my life where I thought, you know, I will never leave this place. I will never get out of this. Um, the light for me was always, if I could get to the piano, I'd be all right. The light to me now mm. is that when I remind myself, remind myself like a mother would, a child or a parent would, remind myself that this isn't me. It's not real. It's it's real because this is telling you it's real. Well, chemistry, it's, yeah. yeah, I know, I know. Mm -hmm. It takes, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's one of the reasons why I tell people, look, you know, and, and by the way, when Harry used to say to me, get to the piano, right, go for a walk, the sun will make you feel better. Fuck no, it made me feel worse. Of course it did, because it's like, I can't even enjoy it. I feel so bad. What do you mean go for a walk? It feels like shit. I know that feeling of like nothing will work. But uh -huh. believe me, something, if you can get to the piano, if you can get to the book to read, if you can turn on Laurel and Hardy, if you can get to pet your dog or your cat, or whatever tiny, tiny thing it is, tiny, mm -hmm. that makes the tiny little light in your pilot light in this little, this little oven in here, 
this little furnace start to come back up. That's it. That okay, so here's my, my tool for this. Because for me, I can't think myself into right thinking because I'll just go to crazy town. So what I have to do is I have to change up my action. So all, yeah. it could be something as simple as going and wash the dishes. I have a thing Make with it. my friend, go Make wash it. the dishes. Do anything. That's what I mean. Go do anything. If it's exercise, fantastic. Mm -hmm. If it's doing sit-ups, if it's sweeping the floor, if it's hoovering, mm -hmm. I don't give a shit. But what we do know is that mm -hmm. activity, activity reconnects. Something about it just makes the this and this somehow start. To okay, so this, this is the way my therapist, because of course I have a therapist. This is the way she explains it. She says that if I get if if I get obsessed about something, to look around the room and find everything that's black, or to find everything that's a triangle or whatever. And she said, what it does is it interrupts the brain. It interrupts that crazy thinking, and that if, even if I go back to that thinking it won't have the same power. The other secret is to drink water. We tend to get crazy when we're dehydrated. Uh, ah. That's a good point. It, you know, I, it, I, I say to people, I don't care what the fuck it you do. Meds, therapy, exercise, music, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. works, whatever works. Mm -hmm. But I guess the point is what helps to tell a person when they're in it what helps as the outs as the person outside mm -hmm. is to remind them because they can't, you can't, I can't, okay. can that, but you can't. Okay. That this is not you. This is not forever. And it's also temporary. That's what I was going to say. Absolutely. This will, this will end. Mm -hmm. It will end. You will see the light under the door. You will. You will. And you need okay. and that. I, the amount of times that Harry said to me that to me, the amount of times that my friends have said this to me, it did pull. It did, it did, it did because I couldn't for myself. And even though it still took a long time to come out and it wasn't immediate, it was so good to a say I'm in the blackest place in the world, in the darkest place, and b to be reminded of who you actually are. That's and do you get to a place of grat when you get to the other side of it? Do you have that moment? I have such a moment of gratitude. Oh my god! It, it's right? an epiphany. It's a, mm -hmm. it's like literally the <laughs> gratitude. I feel I am, but I'm kind of I'm dripping in gratitude at this point because I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe that the majority of my life is on on the good side now. As opposed, mm -hmm. as as in on the managed managing side, as opposed to I, be, I can't believe I was that person either. I find that very, mm -hmm. very hard to get my head around. But I'm, I am forever um, grateful. Forever, yeah. So here, okay. so here is the song. Here, here it is. This is what I tell people, and it's called "Under Your Door." Yesterday I saw you and your head was in your hand Said you couldn't face another day 
life's rejections arose Dreamers turned into sand What's the point you asked me so Took your hand and said that when it feels like rain might fall forever, and when it feels like the wind might blow forever, don't let go. Whatever you do, because if you hold tight. You might just see the light under your door. So face the storm, my friend. And believe me when I tell you. Oops. Rocky road, stumbled many times. Wondered why I walk it every day. I've been so downhearted that I almost lost my mind. Took a friend to hold my hand to help me understand. Oh my God, I clap for everyone. I'm sure that the applause and the love is, is, is shooting up. Somebody just said this is like the anthem for what's going on today uh, in the time of Corona. It really is. When did you write this, Judith? Um, I wrote that back on, that's on Ebb and Flow. So that was in, um, it was two, 2013 that came out and I wrote that Whoa. just my dad died and, and um and actually, it was about telling somebody else who was in the worst imaginable shape that exact thing, which is just, this, is, this isn't the rest of your life. This isn't forever. I know it's not. I know it's not. And that's what I say to people in, in, in COVID-19 now. It's like, look, even if it's three years, it's not forever. It's not, this is your life. This is all we have. You know, what I don't understand, in all honesty, it's like I keep saying, why the fuck? It's because we're capitalist countries. That's, you know, mm -hmm. Britain, America, everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, we could just be printing money and and uh, and paying people uh, to stay at home and to stop this and to take care of people who are now anxious and worried and petrified that they can't earn a living and that they're going to go, you know, just disappear um, and fall through the cracks. But no, we 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 just we choose not to because we don't understand and we don't like giving anybody anything for nothing. Yeah. That's what capitalism is about. Don't get me wrong. I know this is what the whole of the Western world is, is based upon. But the <laughs> idea that I've heard people say, oh, but if people get used to giving money for nothing. No, 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 no. When you go back to it, you know, I really do think you see countries like Sweden who mm -hmm. believe that the, the quality of life is more important, mm -hmm. much more important than, oh, mm -hmm. let's let's cut our tax bills. You know, this is we've, we've really got this wrong. We've got it wrong, people. And um, and we're being forced, people are being forced to go back because everybody's, everybody, you know, businesses are just crashing left, right and center. People are scared. They're worried for their well-being. And, and what is, that's heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. What I, what I don't understand is that all these businesses were forced to close and all of, all of these people were forced to give up their jobs. I don't understand why they aren't forcing the landlords to give people a break on their rent to relieve yeah. some of this pressure. Why are they still making their money? This is this is unfathomable. Uh, it's unfathomable to me why, why this is happening. Well, there yeah. are people who are yeah. terrified. This should be being covered. This should be being paid for. This is about, yeah. we're in a pandemic, a once mm -hmm. in a hundred years pan-fucking-demic. Mm -hmm. need, we need to be take, taking care yes. of you know, people, our future, our lives, well, and then let's talk about the planet next because I've been on a rant about that one. I swear to God, there is a silver lining to all of this and I can tell you the only silver lining there is is the air, the lack of traffic, the nature, the animals, the sense of, oh my God, that's what silence sounds like. It's an amazing, amazing thing to be privy to and it's like, oh, look what's changing in just a couple of months. Look. Look at this. So, yeah, it's, um, I, I have a horrible feeling, of course, that we'll go back to exactly how we were before when we do go back. But do, you maybe, think, do you think we will? Do you, well, do you think? I don't know. I'm hoping that this, this hiatus, this forced hiatus, mm -hmm. will give a lot of people, like-minded mm -hmm. people, the chance to go, oh, you know, I kind of, I kind of like this clean air and the carbon footprint's down and... This is, I mean, I really do believe that. I think this is giving mm -hmm. people a chance to go, hang on, mm -hmm. hang on. Maybe we don't have to go back to, you know, we don't need all this mm -hmm. consumer stuff. We don't need all this waste. We don't need to, maybe this is a re-education of, of the way that we, I hope so. I think for a lot of people, it doesn't, they don't give a shit. So it won't mean anything. Right. But right. Um, I do think this is an opportunity to go, hang on. I'm not sure I, I want to return to 100% of that. I don't. I don't. So where did your social consciousness start? Did, um, were you uh, were you politically active when you were young? Were you? Well, I'm going to just say this very simply. Anybody Welsh watching will know what I'm about to say. <laughs> it is impossible to be uh, uh, Welsh or to be from a Welsh family or, or brought up a. Um, because my family were like miners, tin workers. My father was the first person who who, who left and went out and let and. and what did something something else where mm. i'm from very very um salt of the earth 
real hardworking poor people who absolutely mm -hmm. believed um, that you take care of everyone. That that is the the belief system is you make you know to to be a healthy society you have to be socially conscious and take care of other people too. That is it. So you yeah. were raised you were raised into that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's beautiful. And, um, and, and, and if you're talking about religion, which always kind of drives me crazy, because my grandfather, my Dicky, my Welsh fabulous uh, grandfather, was a very religious man, but was never evangelizing, was never pushing it, never, never yeah. about it, never any of that stuff. He just had an absolutely quiet face and believed in being socially conscious and in being a good human being. And that's... That's, That's not necessarily the American Christian ethic. Well, not, at not, all. not the evangelist. No, it's not. No, it's not. Sadly. And, um, but, you know, that's just something that was bred into me. And I'm very grateful for it because I, um, like I said, I, I, I think that it's a very sad society. And that's in Britain, too. It's the same thing where you don't um, take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not good. It's not right. It's just not. Okay, so I'm I'm going I'm going on a little digging expedition here. So so tell us some about you. So you're you're a child. Are you a good student when you're in school, Judith? Were you well, a good student? I was a great student, except I had dyslexia. So um, it would take me so it would take me so much longer to do, to to uh, study and do uh, do work. And I was always a, 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 an A student, all the arts, and and so I ultimately. Um, um, I just went, I went to an absolute rubbish school, very violent, awful, just outside London. Um, uh, and, um, and, and because I'm a very, very stubborn and kind of, oh yeah, stubborn is the word, uh, person, because, um, everyone in the school that I went to were deemed as being sort of just like failures because we couldn't do maths or read, um, properly, uh, <laughs> I made it my business to, I went to a performance art school and, and, and st I wanted to be an actress and I studied, uh, I studied uh, the dramatic arts, darling, and uh, dance and music as a, as a, you know, as a smaller amount so that I didn't have to do it, you know, I didn't have to do all the, all the serious work. And so how did your career start? What, what did you start well, out with? Well, it was there that it all started because um, when we were, I was in in the first, you know, you had to take music classes, but they were second, you know, like I said, it was like a secondary thing. So it was like, you know, it was yeah. like a jazz class or something like that, jazz singing. Mm -hmm. And because um, I majored in in uh, drawing and acting, and uh, and the, I remember the the teacher saying, "Does anybody here play an instrument?" You know, a couple of us just kind of went, "Yeah, yeah." And I remember I'd never played to anybody outside of my my dad and my sister hearing me from the other room. I'd never ever ever played anything of mine. I'd been writing all these songs. Wow! So depressing, of course, all about my mother. So <laughs> depressing. I mean, I, I I think there might be a new word that's further than depressing. So um, <laughs> I didn't think anybody would ever be bloody interested in hearing these things. They were so bleak. And and so the and the teacher said, "Okay, does anybody play?" Okay, does anybody write? Did anybody write music or do, And I don't know why, because the, the last thing I wanted to do was actually expose um, this. And I just kind of did that. And she was like, oh, just, do you want to? Uh... So 
for whatever reason, I got up um, with my eyes, you know, as, as you always do at the beginning, eyes shut tight because you can't look at anybody because it's too terrifying. And I played this song, which is the most, it was kind of in this, you know, it was a hymn. It was like a, a true hymn, mm -hmm. but it was about, it was about her passing. And, um, and I finished and there was horrific silence, like the pregnant pause from hell. And I just thought, oh, that's it. I have just taken a giant shit um, in the music club. That's what I thought. And then I, so I, I just wander back with my head down like this and wander back to the, uh, to the chair. And I turned to the girl next to me who was incredibly hip and fabulous and wonderful and brilliant. And we all loved her and she hated everybody because she was so above us. And she was crying and she was crying. And I said, she just grabbed my hand and just held me, held me, held me. Now it turned out her fiance had died nine months before of leukemia. And so what I had sung was just like, bang. Wow. And, and, the, the t and, then I, and, I, and then the teacher came to me after the class and said, why are you majoring in drama? Why are you doing drama? Why, what is, what is, why? And it, that was the first time I realized that it would, could mean anything to anyone else. Because before that, all it meant was the way that I managed to express myself and, and, and get these feelings out of me. So that was it. And, it, and I never stopped. I never stopped. That so was what, was your, what was your first professional gig? How, how did it start? How did you start earning money as a, as a musician? Um, I used to play in shitty little wine bars while I was in, um, then I started going out looking for, you know, gigs where I could, you do your apprenticeship, you know, you do your, I, I, I became really, really good. And it's what led to, you know, me being able to deconstruct and rearrange and reimagine covers. This was the beginning of it, you know, everything leads to everything and it's all, it's all work and it's all about a muscle that you, that you build. So when you I, started, what kind of covers were you doing when you first started? Oh, any, any, any covers of any songs that you might like, you know, songs that, I, you know, Gershwin or beautiful, you know, any of the great American songbook. Uh, but because I can't read, it could you know, I would have to rearrange them. I have to do write, rewrite them myself, and that was the beginning of it. Because otherwise, I couldn't get a job, and I couldn't work, and I couldn't earn any money. So I became so damn good at just rearranging every song that I could. Wow! And so I had hundreds in my brain that I was doing, and then it became, and, and they became so mine. And then it, then the exercise became so much richer where. I really made them mine. And then I really, really took them somewhere else. And, and it was the beginning of this thing that then became even more muscular um, as, as I went along in my career where absolutely they would be as reflective as, of, of my life uh, as my own songs. And, and, and when did you start writing your own songs? When did that happen for you? Oh, right from, from when I was, you know, 10. Oh, wow. Eight, ten, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that what I would do in these places and these horrible, shitty little gigs is that I would throw in one of my songs. I just chuck it in so that nobody would notice it and and see, you know, there was a reaction to it. In fact, the way I met Harry, interesting stories are fabulous. I'm so glad you're going to tell this. Cindy's been asking. Ask her how she met Harry and did she like him right away? Cindy, you're going to plot. 
<laughs> so I was um, veritable pot, Cindy. So I was in. I was very young and very depressed and very broke. And I was playing. I just played at, uh, at Ronnie Scott's this wonderful club where Pedro actually. It's so funny. It's kind of like I did my my young days there. Pedro did his young days there. It's an amazing place. It really is the. It is the the breeding ground for the for the jazzers, I have to say. And I'm not even really a jazzer, but God knows that's so much a part of me, you know, classical and jazz and folk. So I just done um, a week there and I broke, completely broke. And so this seemingly a friend, she wasn't at all, she was a horror, but she said to me, I've got this gig, I love it. She said, it's a jazz club. She lied, what a bitch. It wasn't a jazz club. It was the lobby of a hotel by a restaurant. Thank you. Okay. So, but it turned out that it was the luckiest day of my life and the luckiest gig of my life because I'm, you know, they had, they, and it was like a rock and roll hotel and like Guns N' Roses would come in and Prince came in and all sorts of amazing people would sit in and play and it was just like, this is fucking great. And one day, one, one afternoon session, because I play the after, four hours in the afternoon, four hours in the evening, I shit you not. So I'd, I'd throw in one of my own songs. And um, I hear this rapturous applause behind me, rapturous. And right before this, two American tourists had come up to me and asked me if I knew anything from cats, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm, so I'm already feeling like it's the end of my life. I'm so angry. Anyway, and there's this rapturous applause, rapture, rapture, rapture. And I turn around and Harry, with the full Derek Small's hair and, and oh facial hair, is behind me, a little person, Danny, who's one, one of the elves from Stonehenge, and Christopher Guest. And I'm just like, what? Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a complete smile tap whore. Of and course. I jumped up and just went, I know who you are. A great line, one of my best. I know who you are. said, <laughs> that's your play, that's one of yours. You've, that's your song, isn't it? You just played. Wow. Because, you know, he's like Mr. Fucking. He's so musical, he's so tuned in. And I went, yes. Turns out they'd been listening while they were, they were, they were playing at the Albert Hall, their hotels had changed. They ended up at this place and that was really it. And so he said, I'm just going up to change. I'll come back down, maybe we'll have a drink. And I was like, yes. And he came back thinking, oh, I wonder what he looks like. He came back exactly the same. Wearing the facial hair and the pad, facial pad, had the hair extensions. And he comes down and he and the little person, Danny, lovely guy, sit literally just next to me while I'm playing. And, I just, and all I could think was, this is the most surreal moment of my life. Derek Smalls and, an, and a Stonehenge elf. Okay. That you were, uh, you know, a little starstruck. Was the attraction there instantly? Um, the attraction, the comic attraction, because it's, it's all laughter to me. Mm -hmm. it's, there's, some, there's two things I find unbelievably attractive, and that is musical talent and comedic talent. Those are the, the slam dunks right there. That's it. So I knew that this was like bizarre and surreal and, and, and this would never happen to me again in my life. When I started to talk to him, that's when I realized um, how, how smart and just how brilliant he was. And there's nothing quite as great as a brilliant mind. Truly. And so I, I honestly, it was the weirdest thing because it's just sort of like, well, the, what are the chances? It's, I guess, what are the chances? So um, 
I was very smart. That's what I mean. Get this. I, I, he, he'd fallen for my voice. I had fallen for his comedy. And by the time he left to get on a plane to come to, back to New York where he was working, I had already written and recorded a song for him. Thank you. Oh, stop. I told you I wasn't going to ask you to play anything on plans, but so don't think, don't think for one minute that I was just the depressed one, that I was just the sad person. No, 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 no. In amidst this, I was still able to, you know, it's always been. It's like when everything else is shit, and when I'm bleak at everything else, and when everything else is crap, this was still my best bud, and and always, always, you know, it was. It was my, to me, I've always felt that the best I can ever be, the most, the most eloquent, the most beautiful I can ever be is when I'm at this piano. That's what I think. When did you play that song for him? I, I actually recorded it and, and, uh, and stuck it in his hand and made a little, like a, some kind of digital thing and, and stuck it in his hand. And he went off and listened to it and was just like, doing, 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 doing. So, um, I know. I know. I love this story. Yeah, you listen, there's another couple of stories that go with it that are so sad. I mean, I don't know how much time we've got. But I say sad in a funny way. When I say well, you've got time. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting back. I'm listening okay. to you. This is a true story. I just got to share this. Cindy, sit down, mate. You, you, this Cindy, is gonna, sit down, mate. Yeah, this <laughs> is going to kill you. But when Harry get to, got to New York and, and realised that he really, really, uh, I was the one. And obviously, I wasn't at all depressed. So that wait. Was how much time did you spend together in London before he went back? A day. So he went, um, no, he was there for he was there for a week, and I went to see him at um, at the Royal Albert Hall show's final tap. But we actually went out one day. That was it. So that was enough. So I um, <laughs> he said, "I'm going to come over to New York and spend a week with me." He said, "I'll send you a ticket. Do you have a passport?" Second lie. I went, "Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> no." <laughs> <laughs> so then I, I queue up at Petit France Embassy, which is a place where you can get a fast, bloody passport. Mm -hmm. Queued up there for a, a day and got my passport. And then he fed it. I, I get, I get the, the FedEx or whatever it was in a courier thing. And there's the ticket, you know, and it's so exciting. And it's in its plastic thing. And I've never received a fucking courier anything in my life because, you know, I've lived under a stone. Because wow. I am young, but I also have not actually lived because I'm a depressive. So, um, <laughs> and I'm in my own bubble. So my friends take me to the airport and they say, are you sure you don't want us to wait? Just make sure everything's okay. And, and then once you can let us know. And I'm like, no, no, he's a hubris. No, 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 I said. What? Come on, it's a business ticket. Come on. So I go in and um, I plonk my brand new shiny unused uh, as yet passport on the counter and um, and my tickets and the and the woman that Virgin Virgin Atlantic you know they would talk like that Virgin Atlantic <laughs> she said darling do you have anything else I see you've got a lovely passport do you have anything else with this this here that you've given me this package and I was like what do you no, so just the t just the ticket. She went. No, you see, the thing is, what you've given me here are the plastic covered receipts on the front of the courier package. 
Wow. Now on the front of a FedEx or a UPS or a courier, anything, there are plastic window yeah. envelope with the receipts. Yeah. That was the ticket because I had never received. Thank you. Feel free to laugh. Oh, my God. No, I, no. I told Martin Short this once and he turned to Harry and said, your wife is a simpleton. Oh. So I, don't worry about it. Laugh away. Oh my God! And did you throw out the envelope? Did you throw out? to be okay because I'd never lived. I didn't do anything. I had no idea what the life was about. All I could do was get through from one day to another without knowing oh art. So she she sees my bottom lip starts trembling, and she says, <laughs> "All right." She go back, look in the envelope. You'll see a little tear, an arrow. Tear that. You find a ticket. Bring it back and put you on the late plane. Mm. And um, so oh. I did. by which time I'd missed the limo Harry had sent. Um, everything, 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 everything. I get to the hotel by one o'clock in the morning. I go to room 1709. I, I did write a song, a beautiful song about that too. In the, uh, what hotel was it called? It'll come to me. Paramount Hotel. And uh, literally rooms the size of a handbag. And uh, I, walk, I, I bang on the door, like looking like a drowned rat. I'm so late, land in a hailstorm, fucking terrible. I get there, I bang on the door, a stranger opens the door, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, it's not even the right room. I walk off, the stranger says, Judith, Harry has shaved. Harry has shaved. Harry has shaved. <laughs> so now, I don't even, I, and there's this kind of like cute Jewish guy standing in front of me. I don't know who the fuck he is. So I'm literally. Okay, wait, wait, I have to stop you for one second because they, uh, Cindy asked, you knew Harry Shearer the way we knew Harry Shearer no. at that time. No, I've never seen him. I'd only ever seen him at, in Spinal Tap. I didn't know him. Wow. No. Okay. okay. No. that this guy you were meeting was not Derek Smalls. It was no, not- it was disappointment. It was the shock that I was now seeing someone, I had no fucking idea who it was, but I was gonna share a bed with them very soon. And so, that, so, and I think maybe the penny might have dropped for poor Harry when he saw the hurling of my whole <laughs> physical self onto the bed screaming for about an hour. That might have been the tip off, but bless his heart. <laughs> We are still together today um, as bonded, as, if not more, actually, is the truth. So they and have. And so did it stick from that very first weekend, that very first? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just sort of like, like I said, here's the thing about Harry. He, you know, the truth is that he, I'm not sure anybody else could be with me because because of the kind of, because the kind of damage that I had um, and have. But Harry was... He came pre-prepared, just just like I came to him prepared for for him. He's very much like reminds me of my dad and my mother combined in many ways. And he, and I for him, I guess it's he wasn't scared of my depression or scared of my 
of my anxiety because he grew up in a household where both his parents were children who had escaped uh, Hitler's, uh, Hitler's oh, Austria wow. and Poland and mm -hmm. everybody else was, was wiped out. Mm -hmm. Everyone was gone except them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he grew up in a household and it was, he's, you know, that much older than me, but he, he grew up in a, in a, in a home where there was that unspoken sadness. Mm -hmm. There was that darkness mm -hmm. that was ever, you know, it was ever present. Yeah, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so in so so anybody else would have, I swear to God, Vicky, if anybody else had seen my seen me and my behavior and stuff that I did, they'd have run for the fucking hills, you know, and just said, "No, that's enough. Stop it now." <laughs> but, but honestly, um, you know, I, I I met somebody who was not wasn't wasn't afraid of that, wasn't afraid of it. So, and so were you able to be you right from the start within your relationship? Obviously, he appreciated your talent because that's how. Well, yeah, you know, the thing about, well, like, it's a continuation, I guess, of the under your door thing about when people tell you, you know, this isn't you. What Harry saw in me was who I really was. What he saw in me was when I was at the piano playing, he saw me, the mm -hmm. real me, the person mm -hmm. who was stuck in here, mm -hmm. but would come out when I played. You know, he saw that, and that's who he fell in love with. The rest of it was just like, you know, crap, basically. Just, but and I assume that he made you laugh, that he makes you laugh in real life. That it, oh, aside yeah. from and, that. you know, his get this, but was shocking. His father was training to be an opera singer in Vienna. What are the chances? How wow. oh, about that? And his mother, because she was a great writer. And she wrote these great stories as part of a thing in Santa Monica College, uh, where she lived, um, mm -hmm. emeritus, where older people would talk about their lives and mm -hmm. their experiences, unbelievable stories. And she did this, how she met her husband, how she met Max. And she said, um, I really fell in love with, love with his voice because I'd always had a weakness for singers. And that's, it's like a genetic thing. It's wow. Thing. Yeah, I love it. All right, so fall in love with singers. So sing for us. So tell us about rediscovered a little bit, and then maybe give us a little hot stuff. So I'm hot stuff right now, darling. <laughs> I, here's the thing about rediscovered. So so imagine me. There I am. That's really how I started out this whole thing. And and the the idea, I guess, is to for me rediscovered, and it, it's from Deep Purple to to Drake and everything in between, and Ed Sheeran and uh, so how, how, how did you, because they're very different songs, Joni yeah. Mitchell, Drake, how, how did you, what was your criteria for picking? Um, was it just what you loved? The songs that I, like the two Joni Mitchell songs, there's only two that I would have, mm -hmm. she is the patron saint of a, a whole singer-songwriter, so let's be honest. Mm -hmm. But um, the reason I chose those is because though I came to her very late, and when I was in college, um, mm -hmm. Uh, doing, you know, doing the drama course, and so I, I came to her in the deep um, uh, night ride home period, and um, those were the those were the first songs that I heard of hers. Those were the first songs I ever heard, "Ladies Man" and "Cherokee Louise." Um, wow. I think, yeah, once night ride home and the others uh, while things run fast, and so that meant those, those stuck with me deeply. I mean, that was transformative, and. Um, 
And then um, these are all songs that have meant something to me along the way, uh, parts of my life, but they're also contemporary songs because I'm not about looking back all the time. There are songs like Shape of You, I hear that in, in a very different way. I, I hear Hotline Bling of all things, and that was a Harry suggestion. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think the way I do this is I read the lyrics first mm -hmm. and I find something, there has to be something in the lyrics that really speak to me and that are, that resonate with my life. And, and if there are, then I can do that. Then mm -hmm. I can do it, absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, um, and with Hot Stuff, it reminded me of all the lonely times that I had of my, in my life where I couldn't connect with people because of this, this great- what, Was there great love in your life before you met Harry? Was there- Yeah, was there... There, were two, there were two great loves in my life when I was younger, mm -hmm. you know, when I was like in my teens. But then when I, when my depression, when I went to, when I went to study drama and when I, you know, was out on my own, it really hit, I hit, I hit such a bleak and terrible place and I was mm -hmm. so ill. I was so mentally ill. And, um, and for that whole time, it was, I was unable to really have any kind of a relationship with a person, mostly because again, I was, you know, the, the shame of it and hiding the secret and everything else. It was just, it was, it was, I was unable to, like I say, just get through a day of all my acting. <laughs> I'm pretending to be, you know, Miss Sparkly, you know, so it was just- Did it scare Harry when he saw that side of you? No, not at all. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what's remarkable. Like I said, anybody else would run away, would just run for the hills, not him. Because um, he hate, he didn't like it, he hated it, scared, it's, mm -hmm. it, worried him and it yeah. and it was heartbreaking because he would seem right. literally unable to leave a chair for like two days but you know but the point was he was the he was the this is you know it's not come on you know he was it doesn't work of course as we know but he was always the person who was like you know it's not you you know he would never ever 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 let it let it go and stop me hearing that this wasn't me it wasn't me and i'd fight it of course because you know misery loves company when you're down there but no never 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 and so i do remember and this is actually a funny a funny story i have to say uh one of my uh most pathetic attempts to be um, a bit of a vixen because I, it's not anything you know people think that i'm like some ball breaker or something and i i I am about my work and I am about what I do, but no, no, no. I just, I just play a ball breaker in a mini TV series. You know, that's what I, yeah, in my own imagination, which is very ripe. So um, <laughs> I remember being just so lonely, just like all of us. We just want a fucking companion in life. I just didn't want to be so lonely. I just didn't want to be so alone. And how long wait, how long had you been on your own in between your relationships before you were with Harry? Well, you know, I dated, but I wouldn't call that anything, all disasters. I'd say that it was a definite definite five years of bleak horror. Because it was five years of deep, deep, terrible depression. So mm. You know, like I 
say, and I had like flings, but it was all awful and ugh, terrible, terrible. Uh, where I picked the wrong men on purpose in in order to just have a terrible life because I deserved it. So uh, we all know that one. So I do remember though when I was um, when I was like I think I was only about twenty one and I was still at college and um, and I already had a little band going and um, and I had a crush on my drummer and um and he was so cute and but he was he was 17 which is outrageous at the time when you think about it but not really and so it was my cougaring these were my cougaring days and um <laughs> fuck it i'm gonna call him up i think he I, I i was convinced he felt the same way but you know and had a real crush on me um boy did i read that wrong and um <laughs> I called him up I called him up and just basically, I just, you know, I did the Donna Summer. I did the Cougar. I went, you, me, now, let's do it. <laughs> and there was this horrific silence on the end of the phone. Yeah. And he, and all I heard was a very small voice going, um, I'm busy tonight. I'll, I'll, see you, I'll see you at rehearsals tomorrow. Click. Oh, God. That, and that was it. That's my only time that I've ever, ever, ever tried to be like, like some kind of super vixen it's just a fucking disaster and um so it just it so when i think when i play this song i always just think about me and uh, and how we all just you know yeah you want sex you want to be together you know you want all that stuff you want to hook up but it's like i don't want to be lonely so that's how i play it you know and it's that need it's that need we all have for that person that your soulmate. So that's that's the way I play it. So here it's fabulous song. Hot stuff. Sitting here eating my heart out, waiting, waiting for some lava to call. i 
I'm reading the comments and Pedro was saying that he's shaking along at home and Rob Burnett is saying that every time he's taken friends to see you, they've left converts. And uh, yeah, I, I bet that you're getting so, so much love is, is flying up right now uh, for you, Judith. I'm so used to, you know, it's so great. Pedro and Lee, obviously you've had, you've had on the show. It's just, they're so extraordinary to play with. We have, to talk, we have to talk about Lee. First of all, Lee's yeah. gone from Facebook. He still can't get on. So no, he's two days away, only a couple of days away, but he's going guns, all guns on uh, YouTube Live where he's been, he's been doing the bass parts to Phil Connors. Now he's doing the bass parts to my songs. So that's been amazing, as has Pedro. So, yeah, he'll, he'll be back on Facebook and we'll be, you know, we'll be... We'll be so how, did you meet, how did you meet Lee? I mean, Lee is the most extraordinary... I'll quickly tell you about Pedro. I saw Pedro at NAM play with uh, Marcus Eaton, and yes. I, didn't, I didn't know who Pedro was. Yeah. And I was there to see my friend Marcus, and Marcus is amazing. I love I could not take my eyes off Pedro. He blew yeah. my mind. Yeah, he's fabulous. he's fabulous. Okay, so how did you meet? Let's start with Let's start with Pedro. How did you meet Pedro? Uh, Pedro was introduced to me seven years ago. Uh, and a bit um, by Gabriella Swano, my fabulous cellist in uh, and friend in London. She's and amazing. She's, I really I... Think, you know, she, I have so many players. You know, I do. I ba do a balancing act between America and London, as you know. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I feel that really sets me in good stead. You know, it is who I am ultimately, and I take from both both those fantastic pools of talent and Pedro being from Portugal and, and being, you know, the thing that Lee and Pedro and myself, we all have in common is that we're both from classical backgrounds, very classical backgrounds who then branched out and got into jazz or rock or whatever it might be, you know, that that's really mm -hmm. um, the thing that, that glues us all together because when we play, um, we play like a small chamber, like a chamber orchestra. And it's very much, a classical thing where you are truly listening to everything that the other person is doing and the the whole you know the the individual becomes the whole and wow. it is it is a it's a big sound for very few people i mean three people mm -hmm. but it sounds it, it it's exquisite and 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 then if there's cello in there as well as strings it is chamber music it's it, mm -hmm. in a contemporary way but chamber nonetheless and mm -hmm. everybody is playing to me and they are going with you know, the feel. And so these are extraordinary players. And I, I, I met 
uh, you know, luckily she was absolutely right when she said, I think Pedro is the guy for you because he's got that, he's really so much the classical percussionist as well as being a jazz drummer. And that was exactly it. He's a musician first and foremost. Leland I met in Seattle when um, Harry was doing a show up there with CJ Manston and, and a comedy show and, and Lee was in the band. And I was playing a song up there as a, you know, for just for fun, for shits and giggles. And, uh, and Leland just kind of went like that. And of course I'm such a fucking huge fan of his, you know, and he played and I was like, so the, so the two of us basically, you know, it was, it was, it was kismet. <laughs> Just sent a text this second and said, yeah. I'm watching, but I can't comment. And I, or I was oh. watching. I said, We're talking about you now. But yes. except I wrote gibberish because I was oh. listening to you. Well, but yeah. Um, yeah, he he was, you know, I've been a fan since I was a girl and listening yeah. to, you know, we'd be driving around on, on have family holidays listening to uh, James Taylor. So I have had Lee, the sound of Lee's bass in my in my DNA for a very, very long time and have, I, I, Wait a minute. I have to tell you something right now. They yes. just posted them out of Facebook prison. It says yes. Lee is watching. They just let them out of prison. Well, Lee and Sklar, uh, yeah, I, I, I've known and heard him for so long. And I tell you, when I finally got to, um, to work with Lee, it was literally like putting your favorite pair of gloves on. I'm not kidding. Aww. It was, it wasn't just about that sound. I mean, people, you know, people underestimate the wealth that players bring to, to music, to a song, mm -hmm. to a sound, to, mm -hmm. to anything. And music, you know, that, that's what Joe Sale was about. It was all about feel his busy left hand, big left hand on the guitar. That's what Lee got used to moving around and playing this gorgeous dance and duet with him. Well, he that's what he does with me. His lyrical playing around my music is like nothing else. That and, I've, heard, I've heard you say that, that you basically are playing a lot of oh, the bass part that. And, that, yeah, yeah. and that I he's mean, playing I'm, around I've you. I've got a big left hand. Lee, sometimes doubling, mostly moving around in this eloquent, mm -hmm. it is, it's like a ballet, it's like a duet. And that's wow. really it. And that's what is, that's makes the difference between being really special players, really fine, um, fine musicians. I mean, but it's feeling, mm -hmm. feeling. Everything mm -hmm. is about emotion. That's why probably we all love classical music so much, you know, with the push and the pulls and the ability to swoon and just take you away. And that, there's very little of that, sadly, that you get in in pop music or in lot contemporary music, but it's also, you know, it's also rhythm based and so just so straight ahead. And I'm someone who likes to, to keep that in my music. I like it. I mean, I'm, I'm a metronomic here as anyone, but I like to still have that breath, those moments, those breathing moments where I know that the listener coming with me needs to breathe and just like exhale. So it's, it's a very, um, skilled thing it's taken me a long time to you know be between those guys and 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 gabrielle it's taken a long time to get um to to, to get because I, I think i spent an awful lot of my life trying trying to find players who sounded like lee <laughs> but i've been very you know i've had great i had great 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 uh bass bass players in my life i think this is so unbelievably important for someone like me 
because the piano and the bass are really married. They're very married mm -hmm. um, in their in their sonic range, especially if you're like a real like a bottom end player like I am. There's something really mm -hmm. right about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're very close together. They really speak to each other in the same way that a cello really speaks to the human voice and a deep, mm -hmm. you know, a voice like mine. It's very, very much in that world. And then, you know, with I, I don't, I'm not a fan of drumming, of drumming as in drumming per se. Drumming mm -hmm. is exquisite. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. I love drummers. But on my music, mm -hmm. I need something that has. Um, which is what Pedro brings, it's what people like Brian Blades brings. It's 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 this this sense that you are painting with colours. You're painting with colours. And again, that comes from both the classical and the jazz side, mm -hmm. where you're feeling it and you don't have to feel, but you're looking for textures and things that communicate what the song's about. Pedro so tasty. Pedro is amazing. Yeah, so when you play, I have never seen anybody play the piano. I was telling you earlier, you almost play like slap piano. Like I love slap bass players. You, Your hands are almost flat when you play. It's well, so they are because they're so tiny. If I hold my hands up, you'll all laugh. I'll bring them closer. They are literally children's hands. I should never, ever, I should be, <laughs> the piano police should have, been, should have actually arrested me by now. I have such tiny hands, but they have. Look at my scalp. My span is ridiculous. They have to be flat because my hands work so hard. And wow. um, I'm, a, I'm a very, very sensitive, I mean, I'm a very quiet player, and then I'm a huge player. So the dynamics, again, from classical music, I think, I like the dynamics. I like it going from this to and back down again. I love that. I love it. Well, Judith, I have uh, loved every second of this. And we talked before about how, how to, to wrap this. How, what, yeah. what do you want to leave people with? So, so tell me, tell everybody what your thoughts were about that, because I know what song you're going to play for us. Yeah. And well, um, the thing, I think, you know, it's like us here. I can see you. I can talk to you. I talk to my sister every single day. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. We see each other. But I literally yearn to wrap my arms around her and hold her and kiss her. And, and it makes me, it makes me sad that even though I do tell her all the time, but you know, those, those situations where we all go through life in denial because it's the way we get through, for God's sake. If you thought that, mm -hmm. that, that things might change tomorrow, I mean, none of us could cope. Um, but we all go through life thinking that we've got all the time in the world and things aren't going to change and we'll tell somebody the thing we're going to tell them the next day. You know, I mean, we all do it. We all do it. And so I'm just, I'm very grateful this face, FaceTime. Oh my God, can you imagine life without that or that way of being able to see people? I'm alone, I'm alone. And this is my, oh, yeah. every day I am on here with these group of people that are on here right now, every day. So, That's what's funny. Still, it doesn't stop you wishing, wanting that you could be with them you know i'm so far away from my sister i have no idea when i can even get back to see her again and that does actually make me feel slightly ill i have to say that that if now you're talking about going on a bit of a 
dark place. That's one of mine, but you can't think that way. I can only want to make sure she's healthy and everything's good and everything's okay. And I will see her and that's it. But this is a song about how we all think we've got all the time in the world. And, and maybe again, that's something that we all learn, you know. Wait, before you go to the song, Judith, are you and Harry, I can't hold my children. I haven't seen my daughter in months and months and months, and I've only seen my son from across the garage. I can't be with my boyfriend. I can't hold. Do, do you, we cheated, we hugged once. Do, do you and Harry hug more because, do you hold each other close more? Or is it business as usual? Tell me what it's like when you've got the person right there through this. Um, well, actually, um, yeah, I mean, uh, 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 amazingly, we're not, you know, we irritate the shit out of each other every day of the week normally. Of so course. we, oh, yeah. we, we yeah. do. So, you know, I, he already hates the way my breathing sounds and I've noticed his toenails long since. So it's just, <laughs> I mean, it's already in, a, on a, in the mire. So no, my point is actually <laughs> having this time together and having this life where, he and I are just concentrating on being creative and doing that thing that keeps us healthy and hopefully helping other people and supporting our community and the all the people that we work with around us. It mm -hmm. Actually, we both kind of feel strangely um, comforted, you know, with, by each other and with each other. So mm -hmm. that that's an unexpected uh, thing that happened, I think. Uh, and um, we are, we're doing okay we're doing okay. And I think a big part of that is having two separate areas that you work from and live in. <laughs> I, think a, I think it's a big part of every happy uh, marriage is just an area that is yours and yours alone. Yes. But honestly. Um, yeah. I, I, feel like, I, I think, um, you know, you're going through a really hard situation, a hard time with, with your boyfriend and, you know, I hope he, everything's okay and everything's good. And it sounds like he is, but you know, imagine how happy you'll be when you'll be able to do that. That's all I can say. You know, I mean, but this is the thing, Judith, that's so maddening is that none of us know. I don't know when I'll see my daughter again. I don't know when I'll get to be with my boyfriend and be intimate again. This is crazy making if I think about it, if I focus on well, it. Well, and maybe that's the answer, you see. That's part of this is um, trying One at a time. not to think mm -hmm. about it too much. It is. Mm -hmm. It makes me ill thinking about my sister. It makes me ill thinking about these, that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it just, just if you can, mm -hmm. if you can get on that FaceTime, see her, see him, do everything that you need to do. Thank God we have that. Thank yeah. God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I can't imagine. And I think, you know, yeah. I think it's a, it's a good time where we can actually be more expressive and say the things maybe that we didn't say before and, and want to say now because sometimes you just have to be pushed over that, you know, you have to be pushed that bit to do it. But I think mm -hmm. now is a time where where people maybe aren't so afraid to, to say how they feel because it's in crisis when you realize that the rest of it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter a bit, not a bit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, things we think are important are absolutely so unimportant. It's ridiculous. 
but these are the important things. So if you haven't said it, say it. And uh, so I, I wish you, I, I wish you the best. And, and, and thank you so much for, for organizing this and finally. Oh, it's fantastic. I can't wait. And I believe in miracles. And I believe that soon you, Leland and Pedro will be in my living room playing for women who write and we'll be all together hugging it up. I think so too. And let me tell you a very important thing. If you need a bit of cheering up tomorrow, I've got a series that's going out and uh, just about to prove it's for, you know, it's a, it's a, it's like some of my, I'm just so humbled by how some of the biggest stars, superstars, legends, icons are just rising to the challenge and, and proving that just like us, they're like everyone else. I say this with my tongue so firmly in my cheek that it's almost, <laughs> it's almost choking me. So I've actually got a, um, a series that is for everyone that needs a bit of a laugh and a bit of a cheer up. It's called Super Divas and it's okay. going out tomorrow on Facebook Live and, and YouTube okay. at 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific, uh, yeah, Pacific time. So if you do need a bit of a, a cheer up, I, I, think it, I think it will help. Is I this you acting? Are you acting not, in this? No, it's friends of mine. Okay. They're friends of mine. Okay. I mean, they really are extraordinary women. Oh, there's just okay. one for the moment. There's just one. But um, I, I, yeah, I, I really, um, yeah. You well, it, what, what can I say? It's just good. It's good to know that we're all in this together. I am choking in my tongue. I'm choking on my tongue. <laughs> I, um, super divas, don't you forget? Okay. Now here we are. The song that to end all songs. I would give anything. Time seems like a good friend and don't know what you have till one day you go and lose it. Taking life for granted, never thinking it might change. It's just the way we all get through it. God, forgive me all the times I held back. I'm telling you how much you mean, but it's not too late, too late. I will give anything if you walk through that double. I will give
just wrote feeling Trish wrote feeling sad now, and so am I. I feel like we can't leave people like on that. No, because, I know it's so because right? now my I'm all heart wrenched and I oh, I know. I so know. you have to cheer us up. A little bit up. Yeah, I mean, we need something a little bit up. Let's do a little bit up just to leave yeah. us all, because we're, otherwise we're just going to just... No, because right now I want to slit my throat. <laughs> oh, it'd be too much, isn't it? I'm going to do this from somebody's child, because this is about Harry, and about the fact Harry. that about all the bickersons, the bickering, the bickering, the bickering, this bickering, bickering that we always have done. Turns out that uh, so much of what Harry says to me like Valentine's Day is just a made up crock of shit by a Walmart company happens to be true. So, so I'm going to sing this song for him. Oh. My man, he don't show it on the outside. My man likes to keep it on the inside. I know. Don't go for all those lazy phone calls. When is he? All he says and all asks why I love my baby. He says why I love my baby. I said why I love my baby. And I do. Oh, 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 I do. Oh, 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 my man. He don't buy me cards and flowers, no, no diamond rings, none of that hallmark stuff. Don't go thinking that he's got it easy, cause every day, baby, him still please me. That's why I love my baby. I said, why I love my baby. I said, why I love my baby. the song you were going to play before you announced it. No! I love my baby. Pedro said it. Oh my God. That, that is a beautiful, 
uh, I that's a great place. I mean, I don't ever want to leave. I could sit and I could talk. I could talk to you till let's midnight. Let's do this again. Oh, let's do it again. Let's do it again. You I would can love probably to. tell that I'm an Olympiad of talkers. I can't <laughs> fucking shut up. All right. But you know what? Want, if you want to hear what when you talk, when's your birthday? I'm a Capricorn. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I, you wouldn't expect it. So is Harry. We're both like absolute workhorses, steadfast, workaholic, very trustworthy. But there must be something else in me, if you know what I mean. Because um, I'm just, there's got to be some kind of Leonine aerial thing happening here. Because I'm a bit of a space spacey girl at the same time. I'm not spacey, I'm just a bit crazy. No, you're not spacey, but you're but you're fun. You're fun and you're charming and and you I have a ton of joie de vivre and it's wonderful. I love you. Listen, if you want more of this before I come on again, you know, every yeah. Wednesday and Sunday, 2 p.m. I do my own little for fuck's sake exclamation mark show <laughs> on Facebook Live where I rant with my, my new fellow rant friend Cindy about what the hell is going on here. So this, uh, this is what we, we do it every day live at five and mine's called shooting the shit with Vicky. Right, and well, all I'll watch yours if you watch mine, please God's sake, come and join me. Today <laughs> I did I did um I did Aquarius my version of Aquarius because of all these lunatics out there acting like it's the fucking sixties having a loving. And then I did um the founders Joan Osborne Eric Bazilian uh, hit uh, one of us, you know, what if God was one of us, about all these ridiculous people saying things like, you know, we were made in God's image. That's why I can't wear a mask. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to stop you. I'm going to have to stop you right there. Sure. All right, wait a minute. No, you, you just said Aquarius. It's one you have to play a second of a play a little bit of Aquarius for us. Oh, yeah. Please. Oh, no. Yeah. The killer. No, yeah, come on. Here we go. We're never going to get out of here. When the moon is in the second house, Jupiter aligns with Mars, then peace will guide the planets and love. Oh, 
Amazing version of that song. That is astounding, fantastical. I loved it. You know, you've made a lot of new fans today, Judith. Um, well, that's wonderful. People are, are very, very generous, letting me be a uh, being a talk hog. It's my absolute pleasure to listen to you uh, talk and play. I've had a wonderful time. Thank you for making today so wonderful. Wonderful. And I cannot wait to get back in, do more of this, and maybe do, hopefully, do something with Lee and Pedro too. Wouldn't that be just a dream? But anytime you want to do this, and I'll be well, checking you out in your daily, okay? And also, I'm going to, maybe we can do one of these with the three of you. Are you able to play in real time when they're in other. Just can figure the fuck out to do it, as they yeah. say. It's, I've got to figure this out how we do this. The lag is the killer. You know, you can do it with talking. But damn it, with music, oh, right. that's why I'm doing all the acapellas, you know, for that reason. Right. So I'll have to see if there's any way that we can do this. Um, but if not, you know, we can always get the three of us and have a have a conversation. Uh, Absolutely, is, I'd love that. And, uh, yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll just, uh, anytime you want, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Judith. Thank, and thanks, yeah. everyone, for listening. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. See you soon. Mwah. Thank you.